Hi, and welcome to Snacking with the Saints, the podcast where we eat snacks and talk about saints. I'm Andrea. And I'm Lena. Thanks for being here. All right, we're just getting started. Let's do this. Okay. Hello, everyone. Hi. Happy back to school time of the year. Everyone's back in school, it feels like at this point. Yeah, at this point, everyone should be. So that's why we thought we would kick this episode off with a back to school theme. Yes. it's back to school saints or saints for back to school. Haven't yeah, it's the- basically educators and students. Yes. It's geared towards them. Yeah. But it's for anyone because we're all students of life. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, and especially my saint, I feel like is just literally for anyone. Oh, I love that. School age or not. Yes. So. Okay. I'm excited. And so this time we didn't surprise each other. Yeah. No surprise. We had to team up. Yeah. We had to coordinate on a teacher and student combo. Yeah. Because we weren't sure if we just did saints who are teachers or saints who are students. So yeah. we did both. Yeah. So do you want to reveal? Sure. My saint is St. John Bosco. And mine is St. Dominic Savio, who yes. was student of St. John Bosco. Yes, I'm excited. Me too. One, because I don't really know anything about St. Dominic Savio. And two, St. John Bosco is one of my favorites. Really? I mean, I, I, I don't know if I have a top 10 list, but he's, he would he's be one of my he's friends on. for sure. Oh, good. Yes, especially for homeschooling. Yeah. So I knew St. John Bosco, like I know like his main thing he's known for, but I know nothing of like, I've never done a deep dive on him. Okay. And then St. Dominic Savio, the only thing I knew was he was St. John Bosco's student. Oh, really? Uh So I was like, you made a new friend, blown away by what I read about his life. I can't wait. So this is, yeah, this is going to be a good one. Let's do it. Yeah. Should we do our snacks first before we dive in? Of course. Yeah. Okay. You want to talk about your snack first? Yes. Mine was these, I thought, delicious dark chocolate like bites. They're from Sprouts. They're literally just a disc of dark chocolate. They were 70% cacao, which for me is the right amount of sweet to chocolate ratio. That's a high percentage. Yeah. Lena did not. They were a little bitter for you. I have, I have my own opinions, but that doesn't negate your taste in chocolate. I know I'm a weirdo. No, I think you have a sophisticated palate and I have a palate of like a eight-year-old because <laughs> I'm like, I want more sugar than chocolate in there. So mm. I'm going for like milk chocolate. But I will say at first when I tried it, it was like delicate and smooth and it was just towards the end, I cut the bitterness of mm-hmm. it. Um, but I can see why people enjoy it. Yeah, I was surprised that, I, well, so backstory is I went to the grocery store to get stuff for dinner and Ben pulled this bag of chocolate off the shelf and just like was licking it and biting it all over. You had to so buy. So <laughs> I felt like we had. I couldn't put that back. Wait. So he picked out the snack. He did pick out. I didn't oh, realize. That's sweet. When we go to the grocery store, so this time he was in his stroller, and he was just grabbing what he could reach. But oh, he gotcha. likes to be out of the cart, and he picks stuff up and puts it in the cart. That's adorable. Totally random. Whatever's at the bottom eye level. So <laughs> do you usually keep it in the cart or do you put it back when he's not looking? Uh, we usually put it back when he's not looking. Yeah. Except one time at Kroger, he like cookies were all at his level. And so Luis did. They did that the on cookies. purpose. Yeah. It was like three boxes of cookies we came home with <laughs> one time. It's a smooth move. For yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Ben picked it. And I'm, I liked it. Yeah. I, I feel like he picked it for you. Like he knows what you like. He liked it too. Yeah. I gave it to him. Oh, he yeah, made he a ate whole it. disc by himself. That's amazing. He'll eat anything. <laughs> so he, I mean, it was. He, he liked mine too. Cause he took it out of your hands. He did. 
which I feel like is a good sign of yeah. a, of good and snacks. He like he's still working on it. Like when Luis <laughs> took him, he was still working on it. Which okay, yes. Yeah. So my snack was biscotti. Yeah, which I actually liked. I thought I didn't like it. <laughs> I like it. it, and it had a dark chocolate coating on the top. So yeah. it was like dark chocolate and biscotti. It was good. It was good because there's, I guess you've probably had some different biscotti that's like maybe hard, really hard. I had a really hard biscotti once. It was my first time trying it. Yeah. And after that was like, well, I just don't like this. Right. It's just so, too hard. Yes. Yeah, so I, I never, feel like there's like a fine balance between like so hard that you cannot eat it without dunking it into That's how I felt. Coffee. I was like, why does anyone like this? This is terrible. <laughs> and like crisp and firm and dense without... But it has kind of a crunch, like, you yeah. know, you can crunch it off. The one it, you gave me was more like a crunchy cookie. Yes. And I got that at Kroger. I got that at the grocery store. It's called Nani's Biscotti. Yeah, it was good. And it was like the dark chocolate one, but they have different flavors. I haven't tried the other ones. There's lemon and like salted caramel, but I like the dark chocolate one on that one because the cookie is a little bit sweet and so it balances it. Plus, it I just good. like Biscotti because it's just got a different kind of flavor and it is linked to Italy. It's an Italian cookie. Um, but have you ever like known how biscotti is baked no okay I didn't either until recently I was like I want to just figure out what how do you make biscotti and you basically make like this what looks kind of like a bread loaf of like cookie dough oh a certain kind of Mm -hmm. cookie dough you know but um and it has star anise in it which Uh is like the kind of like the traditional Italian cookie but it gives it almost kind of like a licorice flavor Mm -hmm. and then you bake it and then you let it cool for a little bit and then you slice it while it's still hot I don't know if it's well I'm not sure Um, but you slice it and then you take the slices and then you bake it again and like flip them over on both sides so it's like almost like a twice crumbly yeah crisp like that firmness so it's like twice baked interesting and then I was like I'm not doing this this (laughs) (laughs) I'm just gonna buy it yeah Um, so that's the connection because our saints are both Italian. Yes. Yeah. They when are. you walked in and w- were showing me the box, I was like, oh, my saints Italian too. And I was like, oh, wait, <laughs> you did that on purpose. <laughs> it all worked out. Yeah. Which can I just say this made me like want to go to Italy again, mm. like really bad. I do too. I, I mean, I've never been, but this like, oh, re- you've never been. No, reinstilled okay. like the, oh, I want to go to Italy. Like I forgot I want to go. It is my dream trip. So I'm, I feel that wanderlust of wanting to go. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go see these places I, I was reading about. So many great saints were just Our Italian. Why? What are the Italians doing? It's because they have so much pizza. <laughs> you don't think it's like the church? like being In Italy, that makes sense. But yeah. <laughs> I thought that in my but, head. But pizza also. <laughs> they were just so happy and holy because they have such good pizza. That's could it be both? Does it have to be an either or? <laughs> both. It's both. <laughs> okay, well, should I jump in? Yeah, you should go first. Okay, I'm gonna that go first sense. because mine is the educator. Yeah. Um, he's kind of the impetus. Yes. Okay, so John Bosco, also known as Giovanni Bosco, and often referred to as Don Bosco. That confused me when I was reading. Yes, yeah, so it goes interchangeably. Um, he was born in Italy on August 16th, 1815. Um, just a little bit of background. He's the patron of apprentices, editors and publishers, school children, magicians, and juvenile. Magicians. I know. We'll get into it. I'm so excited. And juvenile delinquents. Um, So he had a real heart for children. And Mm -hmm. so we're going to see that unfold through his story. Um, But his 
his main inspiration was St. Francis de Sales. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one of the reasons I really connected with um, St. John Bosco is because I love the spirituality of St. Francis de Sales and Mm -hmm. just his like meekness and charity and kindness. And so you can see that through the way John Bosco lives his life. It's just so much of St. Francis de Sales spirituality coming Mm -hmm. through. Um, And he's often prayed to just like have that um, spirituality, like his meekness and kindness of St. Francis de Sales and like everything he did. Um, But a little bit of background on him. He was born in 1815, and at the age of two, he lost his father. Mm. Um, So he had two older brothers and was raised by, who were all three were raised by his mother, Margarita. And people called her Mama Margarita. Um, And later, she herself would be declared a venerable by the church in 2006. I didn't know that. Yeah. So um, she played a big part in supporting. St. John Bosco. She even comes up, came up in my research. She did. I guess she would hang out at the school. Yeah, she kind of helped his mission okay, towards that makes the sense. end too. And so, um, and she influenced his spirituality just by her devotion to the church and and her help for the poor. But um, John says John attended church and became very devout and helped his family grow food and raise sheep. So they were basically like farmers, mm-hmm. but they grew up very poor. But despite their poverty, his mom always found enough food to share with the homeless who would sometimes come to their door seeking food, shelter, mm-hmm. or clothing. And I feel like this is something we hear with many of the saints we've talked There's about. There's a theme. There's a theme of that the moms and what the moms do mm-hmm. um, and how the moms have like a heart for the poor. Yeah. Like just something so tangible and specific about them feeding the poor that came to their house or always in f- keeping the door open. St. Mm-hmm. Monica was like that. Yeah. And so I just... At a young age, what that does to a son of just mm. like what he's got to start serving the poor more. Yes, just being that shepherd. Um, so, okay, John had like some early childhood stories, which are really sweet that kind of just show like what he was like. Mm-hmm. And when he was young, there was, they were um, walking along the countryside, he and his mom, and met one of the local priests. and um, St. John Bosco was like, hello, Father. And he was just like so excited to see him. And the priest just like acknowledged him with like a little bow of the head. Mm-hmm. And St. John Bosco, like his feelings got really hurt by Aww. that. And he just like complained that the priest hurt his feelings. And Aww. he was like, uh, he like told his mom, like, when I grow up, I'm going to be a priest and talk to children all the time. I'm going to do everything for them. Yay! So. <laughs> So he took that wound and was like, I'm going to redeem this. Um, and he understood what it was like for a child who like looked up to a priest. Mm-hmm. If, um, and I'm sure that priest didn't mean anything by that. But like, I feel like the Lord used that. Yeah. To, like, sew that into St. John Bosco's heart. And even still, like, John wanted to go play with the farm boys, but not like as a playmate, but more as a leader. Mm-hmm. And so it says more than once he came home with a battered cheek or ter- torn shirt. Um, so he was probably bullied or just like yeah. um, they were fighting with him. And in explanation, he would say, but mama, these boys aren't really bad. They just don't have a good mother like I have. Oh. And they don't know their catechism and their parents don't take them to church. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Can you imagine a child just saying that? When I'm with them, they behave better. Please, mama, may I go with them. Oh, my gosh. So he just under, I feel like he understood the human spirit mm-hmm. and knew what they were lacking and was like, I can fill this void yeah. even from such a young age and just wanted to be used in that way as an instrument for them. Nine years old, he received his first dream. Um, he had several vivid dreams and some were prophetic later on mm-hmm. in life, too. 
Um, but at nine years old, he had his first of several vivid dreams that influenced his life. And in his dream, he encountered a multitude of boys who swore as they play. So they were using profanity. Mm-hmm. Among these boys, he encountered a great majestic man and woman. The man told him that in meekness and charity, he would conquer these friends. Oh. Then a lady, also majestic, said, be strong, humble, and robust. When the time comes, you will understand everything. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so his dream was just very, um, it was very specific. It was about, like, looking at some other references. It says, like, um, the boys were, like, from 12 to 18 years of age. Um, and it quotes him to say, to see so many boys from 12 to 18 years of age, all healthy, strong, intelligent, insect bitten, lacking spiritual and material food was something that horrified me. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the dream, it, it, show, it almost like showed them being imprisoned. Yeah. Um, and so this was during kind of like the post-industrial revolution. And like mm-hmm. um, there were a lot of boys that were left kind of disenfranchised mm-hmm. from that. So there were a lot of at-risk youth yeah at that time and so when he had that dream it 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 was like he vowed like I must be by any means available to prevent boys from ending up here Mm -hmm. and so he just um, had this mission on his heart to like take kids out of that situation and give them that spiritual material food to like bring them back because he just believed that like all children were good and they just needed the right environment and that is um it's such a beautiful way to see children, especially when you think about the time period he was in. Like now that's for, like pretty common knowledge mm-hmm. for us. But at that time, yeah. you know, and to be so young mm-hmm. to, to recognize that was really a gift from God. And the man in the, um, the man in the dream, it says not, it tells him not with blows, but with charity and gentleness, you must draw these friends to a path of virtue. Love that. Yeah, that, and that's very like St. Francis de Sales too because mm-hmm. St. Francis de Sales is like all in life is to be done in love and nothing by force. Mm. And so that's the ideology you see throughout St. John Bosco's life is like um, we do not do things by force mm-hmm. and punishment. We do things through love and that's the way we teach. That's the way we evangelize. And you'll see like how many fruits come from just mm-hmm. that very simple but powerful message that he continues to like proclaim Um, but not long after that dream it um, it says John witnessed a traveling troupe of circus performers and he so he was nine at the time and so not long after that he saw this group of circus performers and he was so enthralled by their magic tricks and acrobatics that he figured like if he learned their tricks he could use them to attract others and hold their attention. Wow. And like, of course, like he wanted to use this to like spread the, the gospel. Yeah. yeah. He was like, I see an opportunity here. And because it, it would just drew people in. And so he's like, why are we not using this for? You know, I have a theory that all priests have like a priestly talent that is used for the kingdom. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, like they have like a certain gift. That brings people or, to yeah, Jesus. Yeah, like, I don't want to stay, say a shtick, but, like, have you seen on Instagram, like, there's priests that, like, break dance and priests that rap and priests that, like... No, I have not. Like, there's the mind cooking this, priest. The cooking Father priest, Leo, yes, like, yeah, yeah, cooks. I know him. Yeah. There's, like, all different kinds of priests that do That attract a certain type of person. Yeah, they, they yeah. have, like, a priestly talent that they do. I love that. I'm going to yeah. start looking for that. Yeah, there's all kinds. That's awesome. Every priest has, like, their thing. I was just looking at bunnies on Instagram. I need to really be looking at <laughs> priestly towns. Okay. Um, so this is at a young age that he's like 
this light bulb goes off that like magic draws people. And so he's going to use this to figure out how to bring people to Jesus. And um, I think this is really cool because at a young age, he knew that like fun was an mm. important part of ministry. Yes, it is. Is it? Isn't yes. it? Like for everybody, I feel like for fun, everyone. fun is important. And yes. people, I feel like the older we get, the more we create that as like an optional piece of life. Oh, yeah. You know, I've told you how many times when I was a youth minister that older people in the parish accused me of just messing around with the kids because we were like eating pizza like, and playing games. hang out and play games. You're I'm like, like exactly. Yes, you just witnessed excellent youth ministry. You're welcome. I mean, I feel like St. John Bosco would be so yeah. like on board with he's this. The ma- he knows. He, he knows. I, I'll get into it later, but he's like, I feel like the father of relational ministry. He is. Is he? Okay. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think so. Okay. I'll get, I don't know if he'll mention it, but if not, I have a quote of his that kind okay. of like, yeah, because it just felt straight to that. the heart of like, you have to get in there yeah. and like know the know that child before you can yes. even start. Talking Which you'll about. never toot your own horn, but you are great at getting in there with the kids oh, and thank like you. <laughs> just getting in there with them. I love them. Yeah, um, you're great at that. Thank you. Um, okay, and so, um, yep, yeah, I'll talk about this later too, I guess. But just that idea. Remind me later to t- talk about like just about play and how yes. that's important for teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so once John understood, like saw the magic show, he decided to create his own show. So he staged a show for kids. He played with... While he was a kid. While he was a kid. like that's so funny. In the front of their farm. Like, yeah. in, like just like the open area in front of his farm. And so he staged a show for the kids he played with and everybody applauded. And at the end of the show, he recited a homily he heard earlier in the day. <laughs> And like earlier, like, and in another reference, it says like, as he continued to do these shows, the admission was like one rosary said. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Adorable. That is adorable. I love it. And so, and then afterwards, like, it was like bonus act. It was like, you get to hear my homily. (laughs) um, I guess his reflection, because he wasn't a priest at the time, but it was just him preaching the gospel. And so um, he would end by inviting his neighbors to come and pray with him. And his shows and games were repeated during this time and during that whole time of developing that show that's when he really got the call to become a priest Mm -hmm. and so he got that call pretty early on um probably like around just early adolescence and he didn't have a formal education because they were very poor Mm -hmm. Um, but he did find a priest to um, help provide some teaching to him and and gave him a few books but his john's older brother got really upset and was like you're a farmer like us. Like he was mm-hmm. trying to kind of keep him in that box mm-hmm. and, and not let him go. And so because of his brother's anger, John was like even more determined to like escape that. Mm. And so he left home as soon as he could at age 12 and looked for work as a hired farm laborer. Um, so he ended up having a hard time finding work, but managed to find a job at a vineyard. Mm-hmm. And he worked there for two years before he met Joseph Cafaso, a priest who was willing to help him. And in, as in 1835, John entered the seminary, and following six years of study and preparation, he was finally ordained a priest in mm-hmm. 1841. Um, and so this is where you see like his full mission come to life once he becomes a priest. Um, his first assignment was in the city of Turin, which is in Italy, and it, um, it was a city in the throes of industrialization and had slums and widespread poverty. Mm-hmm. And it was the into these poor neighborhoods that Father Bosco went in and worked with the children of the poor. 
So he knew from the very beginning he was going to work with poor children. Mm-hmm. And so um, during his time in Turin, he visited the prisons, and Father Bosco noticed a large number of boys between the ages of 12 and 18, so yeah. very in line with mm-hmm. his dream, that were inside. And he says the conditions were deplorable, and he felt moved to do more and help other boys from ending up in there. Mm-hmm. And so he went to the streets and started to meet young boys and young men um, where they worked and played, which mm-hmm. that part I love. Like yeah. he met, like literally met them where they were and mm-hmm. went into where they are. And then he used his talents as a performer doing tri- tricks to capture their attention. And then after that, sharing with the children his message for the day. Mm-hmm. And he also organized a club for boys called the Oratory yeah. um, and taught them the faith and virtues and oftentimes used sports as like a teaching tool, mm-hmm. which is very common now. It just, yeah. There's so many analogies, but just the fact that he knew how to relate to them on their level mm-hmm. and to speak their language and to use that as a way to like teach them about Jesus and teach them about the gospel was just um, so profound for the time, I feel like. Yeah. Just so very different. Um, and so... It says when he wasn't preaching, Father Bosco worked tirelessly to seek work for boys who needed it and search for lodging for others. He was very much about making sure that they weren't just idle. Yeah. Right. So he wanted to make sure they had work and he wanted to make sure that they were cared for. And this is when his mother began to help him, Mama Margarita. And by the 1860s, Father Bosco and his mother were responsible for lodging over 800 boys. 800? Yeah. So, I mean, like his... Um, that was like my spread. whole graduating class. <laughs> it's crazy. It's impressive, right? Um, during that time, he also um, was kind of a fighter for like employee rights, but like for mm-hmm. apprentices specifically. So he negotiated new rights for boys who were employed as apprentices. I think at that time there was a lot of abuse of apprentices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so their employers were using them to perform manual labor and menial work that was really unrelated to their apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. And so Father Bosco was, wanted to just um, kind of nip that in the bud. So he negotiated contracts, which forbid like abuse. And it was for that time, it was like a sweeping reform, like nothing mm-hmm. like that had ever taken place. Wow. And so the boys he hired were also, it says they were hired, the boys he hired out were also given feast days off and could no longer be beaten. So, yeah. Like, yes, like for no longer be beaten. But I just love the bonus of like, also, you get feast days. Nice. <laughs> just like in the Catholic Church, it's a ton of feast days. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he was just very much for human rights, and especially for the for the young. Um, he also had a kind of a knack for identifying boys that he thought would make good priests and encourage them to consider a vocation to the priesthood. Mm-hmm. So for any uh, parents whose children you kind of think are like maybe seeing that call, He's a great priest to just ask for intercession for, yeah. like a great saint to ask for intercession for for your child. Um, and it also says Father Bosco was not without some controversy. Some parish priest accused him of stealing boys from their parish. <laughs> but I just think he was just so magnetic yeah. in his personality. Yeah. And, you know, once you're fun, you're going to be the one that mm-hmm. kids are drawn to. And even the chief of police in turn um, opposed his catechizing of the boys in the street and saying it was like some type of political subversion, like trying mm. to like make them go towards the church and increase the power. But I think it was Interesting. just, I just think he was fun yeah. and loving. He was very loving. And in 1859, Father Bosco established the Society of St. Francis de Sales. 
also known as like the Salesian Prince. Mm-hmm. And he organized 15 seminarians and one teenage boy into the group. And their purpose was to carry on his charitable work, helping boys with their faith formation and to stay out of trouble. The organization still st- exists today and continues to help people. Um, there's also a society of daughters also. And that's kind of like the complimentary um, piece of it. But their work is really for children in impoverished areas and yeah. women out at-risk youth. And so that still goes on today. They um, they still help people all around the world. Um, and Father Bosco died on January 31st, 1888, and the call for his canonization was immediate. Um, Pope Pius XI knew Father Bosco at the time personally and agreed mm. declaring him a blessed in, 18, in 1929. Wow. Um, and then St. John Bosco was canonized on Easter Sunday, 1934, and was given the title Father and Teacher of the Youth. Love that. Yeah, because um, he saw both of those go hand in hand, like Mm -hmm. this fatherly guidance and being a teacher. Mm -hmm. That was part of his methodology was being fatherly in that. And so it was just, it like went hand in hand for him. And in 2002, uh, JP2, Pope John Paul II, was petitioned to declare St. John Bosco the patron of st- stage musicians. Oh. Um, St. Bosco had pioneered the art of what is today called gospel magic. I'm like doing air quotes when I say this. <laughs> Where people use magic and other feats to attract attention and engage the youth. Interesting. Um, so just kind of using that fun element um, to attract youth so that they can spread the yeah. gospel. Is that, were you going to add any, any more on fun? Because you said remind you, but is that it? No, about play. Okay, yeah, but thank you for the play. reminder. I got, I'm, I'm almost there. Okay, so good. that was a good time. Okay. And so St. John Bosco is a patron saint of, that's why he's the patron saint of apprentices, um, editors and publishers, school children, magi- magicians, and juvenile delinquents. Um, his feast day is on January 31st. But yes. Okay. So I have some things. So that's kind of his life story. Yeah. Now I have the things of like why I love him so much. Tell me. I want <laughs> to know. Are you ready? Yes. Okay specifically why I love him as a teacher, okay? Because first off, it's he's described as like suffocating his students with love. I love that. <laughs> yes, that I is, do. one time a volunteer came up to me with a problem kid and I was like, do you want to know what's going to solve this? Aggressive friendship. And he was like, what? And I was like, be his friend so hard that it's aggressive. Okay, I do that to people. Like, I'm like, they don't even know, but I'm like, you're going to be my friend. You don't even know it yet. Aggressive friendship. Yeah. Aggressive friendship. Yeah. That's what it's called. Okay. I feel like I have a name for it now. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. He suffocated with them with love. Um, basically, like, he just saw children as an image of God and mm. just continually loved on them and, like, openly expressed it. Um, where some of us are very reserved in our the way that we love, um, he was just so, like, not in a creepy way, but just in like a very like fatherly loving, mm-hmm. like you're my child, like I love you and I'm mm-hmm. going to tell you all the time and I'm going to tell you how like wonderful you are. And so um, his teaching method methodology was to use reason and love as a means to instill virtue as opposed to using fear and punishment. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I love this idea that and that's really like been very influential even as just like as a homeschooling mom mm-hmm. of just like when I'm or and even before that when I was teaching kids how to bake um it if you love them they are far more willing to and wanting to like follow what you're telling them to do versus 
if you come from a place of fear and authority and then they're like, I don't want to get in trouble. Yeah. Right. And so at the end of the day, the result might look the same on the outside, but interiorly, like what their motivations are are totally different. And I think that's such an important aspect of a teacher is to teach with love. Mm-hmm. And it's so much more effective for the student in terms of just what they're remembering. I mean, even just like a brain chemistry thing. Like if you're in like fear mode, you're not going to be really absorbing the information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, remember how we would the like science cram? Thing. Yeah. Like remember we would cram for tests yes. because we're like so scared. Yes. And you would just know it for that next day. And then you're like, Heaven. I was to this morning. I was telling someone, I don't remember anything <laughs> from college. <laughs> Nothing. I really thought you were going to say like a certain class, but you just said the whole thing. <laughs> yes, because I crammed all the time. Because it was stress induced the whole time. Yes. All right. And here's my plug for homeschooling. That's why like homeschooling, I feel like is so effective for us is that it's, there's not this fear element. We're not doing like um, testing. So you get a grade. It's just mm-hmm. like really deep learning. Um, but I feel like he understood this and the way that he did that was, in or his end goal was to get every soul in, that he like encountered into heaven, mm-hmm. and so. But the way he did that was he didn't shortcut it and go straight to like let me just preach at you. Mm-hmm. He was like versed in the art of dialogue, and so he would get to know you as a child. He would know like what your interests are, what you're what you're motivated by, what your disposition, like your personality mm-hmm. type, and he would make you feel seen and heard. And that's why I feel like he's like so of the like relational ministry. And then once that connection was there, it was like the floodgates were open for him to just pour into that mm-hmm. child the message of the gospel and mm-hmm. instill that virtue. Because who doesn't want to like listen to somebody that just loves on you and yeah. sees you and recognizes you and sees you as beautiful and mm-hmm. a child of God? And like, why wouldn't you want to go towards what they want to tell you? Yeah. That's right? like the biggest influence you could have right um and so he understood that just from a psychological aspect and I just think about I saw something recently that said like um to create like a new pathway in the brain it takes like 400 repetitions of doing something to create that new pathway Mm -hmm. except if it's play then it's 10 to 20 repetitions wow isn't that crazy Mm -hmm. it was like some scientific fact and I was like but that makes sense that like when we play when we engage in in play it, it, it like it basically uses I feel like both sides of the brain the creativity and like the analytical parts mm-hmm. and like you're just kind of like being able to move back and forth and that's just strengthening those pathways yeah. but he understood that that piece of fun and play like through magic or sports mm-hmm. and how that would just like be such a gateway to be able to like do what he really wanted to do like he had such a higher calling but on the outside it looked like okay, like, what is he doing? Like, you yeah. know, he's doing magic tricks. So I could see people just kind of like judging that. But he was just, his heart was just so deep into the call for like bringing souls to Jesus. He was willing to kind of like St. Francis, like just be a fool for God. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot about youth ministry is kind of like that. Oh, for sure. Right. Yeah. Like you just like, you're just, you have to let go of your inhibitions and you mm-hmm. got to like, just be silly and just, um, and just come like meet them where they're at. Yeah. And so, um, and it's just such a rewarding piece of just to see him and his mission like come to life like that, even to this day. Um, but yeah, that I feel like is 
what I really love about him is like using love versus force. And that other piece is that, um, you know, like even as children, like the, like just brain development wise, just kind of going off on a tangent for a second here, Mm -hmm. but like in early childhood, children often will not do something. They'll follow the rules like in order to not get in trouble, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's kind of their first level of learning right and wrong is like, okay, I'm I know like, there's going to be a consequence if I do this. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. But the part of like, well, if no one's looking, then, then I don't get in trouble. So then I, I don't do it anyway. Right. So it, at that point of their development of their conscience and reasoning, that piece of like um, doing it, doing the right thing isn't fully developed yet. Mm-hmm. And as you get older, then you end up being making decisions like I'm doing the moral thing because it's the right thing to do, mm-hmm. right? Whether yeah. someone's looking or not, that's the conscience like being fully developed. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, St. John Bosco kind of understood that, like taking that with children and then understanding that on a spiritual level mm-hmm. too, of mm-hmm. like understanding that like initially with God, when we're early in our relationship with God, we do things so we don't get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Like I've often heard people say like, I don't want to go to hell. Yeah. So I want to, I want to make sure I don't do this so I don't go to hell. Yeah. Whereas maybe a, um, uh, like a deeper dive into spirituality might be like, I can't not be in heaven. Like I yeah, can't I not be with. Yeah, I want to see Jesus. Yeah, I want to be with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And and that is like that elevation of going from fear to love. Mm-hmm. Um, and even today in the homily, um, our priest was talking about like fear is not, like it's good to have a healthy fear of the Lord in the sense of like, I understand how big and vast and great and powerful he is and that mm-hmm. kind of like awe inducing fear. Yeah. Um, but being afraid of the Lord is different. And that fear is not really of the Lord. That's really a consequence of our sin. Mm-hmm. And he talked about how Adam and Eve, they were hiding from the Lord and the Lord was like, why are you hiding? And they were like, we were afraid. And that mm-hmm. was the consequence of their sin is they, they created that fear mm-hmm. away from the Lord. And so um, just understanding that like God is love yeah and it's this motivation to like do things out of love and to continue to deepen that communion with the Lord and that understanding that St. John Bosco had of like that not instilling fear especially in in yeah spiritually but Mm -hmm. starting on a very base level even with like just how we teach children yeah and to teach them like by seeing them and knowing them and Mm -hmm. loving them and not by force and by um, harsh consequences. He was mm-hmm. very against like corporal punishment and yeah. all of that piece of it too. And so he just, I feel like he related our relationship with God and understanding like how God is love and how that, that, that mature, spiritual maturity mm-hmm. and then brought it into a very tangible like way to preach the gospel with yeah. children. Yeah. And so that is just so powerful. And I think that's such an inspiration and motivator of like, really, I mean, what he does with children really can be applied to all people. Like, yeah, just you want to help somebody know the Lord and then Mm -hmm. meet them where they're at, get to know them, love them. Don't come in with an agenda other than just knowing them as a child of God. Right. And then let the gospel come through your actions. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I really appreciated that with him. He's just such a kind, charitable, gentle spirit. And I just think that that makes for such a 
effective teacher in terms of like what his ideologies were. Yeah. I love him. Me too. Now I love him. <laughs> I think it's so cool how what he knew instinctively, like you were saying, yeah. like there's so much science to back it up. Right. Now that now we, we have science and we yeah. know why that's more effective. But right. he just like instinctually was like. He was gifted. Yeah. Almost like in a way gifted to know how to reach the kids. Right. I mean, he knew at nine. Yeah, so exactly. Certainly. I love that. That's so Lord. crazy. Yeah. And that he just continued to follow that call. Yeah. Which I love. Well, I love that we started with him because we'll kind of see like the fruits of his methods in St. Dominic's. Okay. Though. Awesome. So we'll kind of like see, like put the money where his mouth is kind of yes. like this was what his students were like. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm going to okay. jump in because I feel yeah. like they're perfect. I mean, they it. are related. They are. But. I feel like now I appreciate their connection so much more, mm, just like knowing his gels. life. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So St. Dominic was born on April 2nd in 1842 in the village of Riva. He was the second of 11 children. Wow. Can you imagine 11 kids? That's a lot. That's a lot of kids. And he, they were also very poor working class people, but mm-hmm. very pious, very devout. They always attended church in the town of Marialdo mm-hmm. and their pastor John Luca knew them really well and um, he often saw Dominic at church he would go a lot with his mom or he'd go by himself and if the church wasn't open yet then he would kneel outside in like the mud or the snow oh, and pray outside for it to be opened before it was opened so he learned to serve mass at age five and at this time in Italy it was common to to get your first communion at in like your teens okay but um Dominic's priest saw how pious he was, so he uh, um, approved for him to get his communion at age seven. And so this is kind of like the, I don't know, like his foundation. And this is, I had forgotten this, but this is the one thing I knew of St. Dominic. Um, I saw it and remembered that I had read this before. On the day of his first communion, which he said was the happiest day of his life, Mm. um, he wrote down in like his little journal these four resolutions. He said, I will go to confession and communion as often as my confessor will allow, I will sanctify Sundays and holy days in a special way. Jesus and Mary will be my friends, death but not sin. Oh, he's seven. Oh my god, isn't goodness. that crazy? So, like, beyond his years, yes. So, um, eventually, when he was school age, he would walk three miles, um, multiple times a day back and forth to school. So I guess for like break time, they would send him home. Okay. So, so this um, is like a real story of like walking miles in the snow. Yes, okay. actually. <laughs> right. So he would end up walking like 12 miles a day some days. Wow. Um, and so there's one story of like an elderly man seeing him on the road and saying, are you not afraid to walk so far alone on this country road? Mm. And he replied, I'm not alone. I have my guardian angel with me. And then the old man, but surely you find the journey long and tiresome this very hot weather. And he said, I work for a master who pays well. (laughs) And he said, well, who is your master? And he said, God is my master. Oh, so wise. Yeah. So he was kind of always had weak health. So eventually his family moved closer to the church and the school. So he wouldn't have to walk so far every day. So while he was at school, some boys who were often in trouble and were close to being expelled um, had put like just junk from outside like sticks and snow in the school like heater okay oh so they like broke yeah they like broke the heater and these boys because they were close to being expelled said it was dominic and so dominic you know like they said whoever did this will be expelled and they said oh we saw dominic do it so since he had never been in trouble before they were like well we won't expel you but they like publicly like reprimanded him and scolded him really bad in front of the whole class Uh and he just it said that he just stood there silently and looked down at his shoes 
Um, but eventually the boys, I don't know if I didn't see if they confessed or if some other kids came forward, but the next day they found out that it was those boys, not Dominic. Oh, and so God. his teachers said, um, why wouldn't you tell us? Like, why did you let me yeah. do that to you in front of everyone? And he said, I knew that the other boys were in trouble for other things. I remembered how our Lord had been unjustly accused. And I hope that if I kept silent, he would be, they would be given another chance. Oh my goodness. So that I that was the other one thing I knew about his life that like when just like when a halo accused, <laughs> yeah when accused he tried to be silent like Jesus. Oh. Um, so that was kind of just like his early life, but it's in October in 1854 when he finally meets John Bosco. Yeah. Um, his parish priest had told John Bosco about Dominic. Uh, so one day they finally go to meet him, and right away Dominic says, um, "Father, will you take me to Turin with you to be in the oratory?" And um, Don Bosco apparently said, well, you look like good material to me. And then <laughs> Dominic Savio said, good material for what? And he said, to make a beautiful garment for the Lord. Oh, I love that. And so I should say, I'll get to like the one event, but we have so many little vign- vignettes of Dominic's life because John Bosco wrote his biography and oh, wrote down did? all these things about him. Yeah. Oh, so this was like, you know, John beautiful. Bosco recording their first interaction. Oh. Um. So then Dominic said, take me with you then, Father. You can be the tailor and I'll be the cloth. Make me into a beautiful garment for our Lord. So he, knowing what he had known from the other parish priest. Yeah. Um, he, he like saw something in yeah, him. Yeah, but he was worried about his health. So they kind of talked about that. Um, like, do you think you can handle it? Like, you know, yeah. they talked a little bit. But then he said, what do you want to do when you finish your studies? And he said, if God calls me, I very much want to be a priest. Oh, um, so at that point, Bosco kind of wanted to see like what he had, like what, where he was at in his education. Yeah. So he gave him like an apologetic pamphlet to read Okay. and said, um, go read this. I want, you need to be able to memorize it and recite it, but also tell me what it means. Yeah. So, um, Dominic like walked off. They thought to play with the other kids nearby while, um, John Bosco talked to his dad about, you know, what they did at the oratory and things like that. Yeah. But then Dominic came right back like immediately and had already memorized it and could explain it. So he had like photographic memory. Oh my God. So at that it was point, like a hidden gift. Yeah. At that point, John Bosco was like, okay, <laughs> you can come. Yeah. Passed. Yeah. So, um, he went to live at the oratory, um, mm. that you mentioned with John yeah. Bosco, um, and pretty like right around the time. So that was like in October ish, um, in early December, um, 1854 was when Pope Pius, uh, the ninth proclaimed the dogma of the Immaculate Conception, okay. which we talked about a lot in our last episode. Yeah, we with, did. Yeah, so I thought That's that right. was so cool. Oh, cool time. Um, so it said that the Immaculate Conception kind of captured his imagination Aww. and um, that John Bosco and the other Salesians like made a big deal about this with the boys and like yeah. the special prayers and um, special teachings. So in a special prayer service that they had, um, they asked the young people to offer themselves to Mary. And so at this point, Dominic renewed his four promises that he made on his first communion. And then John Bosco wrote, from that day onward, Dominic made such evident progress in virtue that I began to write down everything I noticed about him. <laughs> so that was the point where he started writing his autobiography. Yeah, he's like, this kid's going places. So later during Lent, on the second Sunday of Lent, that's going to come back later, um, Don Bosco was preaching to the boys um, about how to be a saint. And he said, everyone is called to be a saint. And do you know it is easy to be a saint? Just do this. Diligently do the ordinary things of the day in, in an extraordinary way. Oh, I love it. Which I was like, thank you. It's easy. 
So Dominic was profoundly impressed. So after he heard that homily, he um he like really it said like he really began to think seriously about what it was to be a saint. And one day after that, Don Bosco noticed um, that he looked concerned. And he asked him, like, are you okay? And he said, I am fine, Don Bosco. I've been thinking about your sermon last Sunday. From now on, I'm going to be very serious about becoming a saint. And he said, Dominic, say your prayers devoutly. Perform all your duties exactly. And above all, be cheerful. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. Mm, That's sweet. Yes. So it said that he didn't really understand that at first. So he was really eager to be holy and that he loved reading the lives of the saints too. A lot of them from the middle ages who would do like the severe like fast and a lot of the the severe penance. Yeah. Yeah. So he started um, putting like wood and small stones in his bed so that he could suffer with Christ. And when Don Bosco, he found out, he said, the way to be a St. Dominic is to always be cheerful, do your duties to the best of your ability and give your classmates good example. Keep in mind that the Lord Jesus is always with you and wants your happiness. So kind of like you said, like not like that harsh. Yeah. So was he trying to balance out kind of some of the yeah, stringent Yeah, like he said, like, practices. you don't have to do that. Just yeah. be, be, be an cheerful, example. be an example, yeah, be like, like a leader, like you were saying. Yeah. And just like bring joy to them. Exactly. I like that. So that kind of aligned, like hearing where he was coming yeah. from. That made sense. He ended up being at the oratory for two years and he okay. just kept growing in holiness. So the next part is just like little vignettes from the biography. Mm-hmm. Like what age is he at at this point? When he joined with John Bosco, he was 12. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, 12, 13, 14. Yeah. So one story that I, I liked, I thought was funny. Well, this is the funny part. The rest is very beautiful. Yeah. But there were two boys who one had slighted the other's family. So okay. in my head, I'm guessing like a your mama joke. <laughs> That's what immediately came That's to mind. That's immediately, <laughs> right? So they're like dead set that they're going to duel. Okay. But they're little boys. So they are going to do a rock duel, which apparently is like they just like got a big pile of rocks each and whoever like drew first blood won. Yikes. It's kind right. of a stoning of sorts. Yeah, okay. like a stoning. Um, so that's, I'm just cracking up at that. But so Dominic was very upset that one, that they were upset with each other, but that two, they were going to fight. Right. And so he was like trying to stop them and getting them to like make amends and they wouldn't, they were like, stay out of this. Um, trying to be a peacemaker. Yes. Yeah. So finally he said, okay, I'll let you do this. I'll leave you alone if you do it under my conditions. And they were, so at this point they're at their two rock piles right. ready they're to ready. fight. Yeah. yeah. And so they said, what are the conditions? And this is what it, what I read. It said, taking out a small crucifix, which he used to wear around his neck, Dominic held it up and said, before you start the fight, you must look at this crucifix and throw the first stone at me. Oh, yikes. Right? <laughs> Who's going to be able to do that? Right. So he was kneeling down at but that point. That's so like symbolic of like when you hurt another person, you're hurting Christ. Yeah. And he knew that. He oh. knew that at 12. Oh. Um, so he stood up and said to them, neither of you is ready to hurt me because I am your friend. Yet you want, you want commit this sin over a stupid remark made at school. Christ, who is innocent, died for us rather than seek revenge from those who hated him. Genius. Right? Genius. Um, so one of the boys said later, um, one of the boys I was going to fight said, mm-hmm. at that moment, all my determination broke down and a cold chill ran through me. I hated myself for having forced a good friend like Dominic to go to such lengths to keep us from sin. Mm. To show my regret, I forgave the boy who had insulted me and asked Dominic to tell me of some good priest who would hear my confession. That's sweet. (laughs) Isn't that sweet? (laughs) 
That's a good comeback story. And then, so just like the little ways that he would lead the other boys, he had a special devotion for um, the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So, and he wrote down this prayer. He said, Mary, I always want to be your son. Let me die rather than commit a single sin against chastity. So he was like really serious. And on Fridays, he had a special devotion to go to the chapel and pray the seven sorrows of Mary or the litany of the sorrowful virgin. And he would always take boys with him. To, like different boys to go pray with him yeah. and apparently when it was cold the church would be cold really cold inside okay. colder than it was outside like yeah. it kept the cold in and so one boy didn't want to go pray with him because he said i always get so cold dominic and so he took off his gloves and coat and gave it to him oh so he would go pray and so this devotion to the seven sorrows of mary that was just something that saint dominic savio just had felt called to yeah i think so that's beautiful yeah he also really had a big devotion to the Eucharist, which most saints do. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting. In Italy at the time, it was kind of like the cultural narrative kind of um, or prevailing belief that humanity was bad and unworthy even to receive the sacraments, yeah. which I kind of, there's kind of still that flavor in some like Mexican cultures. Okay. Like it's really common to... Um, not receive the Eucharist for a long time or receive it very like spread out because what's the because like you're so great a sinner and like you're unworthy of receiving the I grace gotcha. so there's okay. just like that like um what's the word scrupulosity yes yeah so that was really prevalent in Italy at the time and Don Bosco was working to combat this because yes. the point of the sacraments like literally that's the point of them is that we're unworthy and we need right. grace right and unity with and God like you probably need it more exactly the further you feel away yeah. right so he would always um, preach to the boys to go um, go to confession as often as they could. Mm-hmm. And he noticed that Dominic um, had this great love for the Eucharist. So eventually, like, Dominic would only go to communion, receive communion, confession, like, like once a month, okay. which was a lot for back then. Yeah. But then he's, Don Bosco slowly started encouraging him to go more and more. So eventually he was receiving communion every day oh, and going to confession every week. Oh, that's nice. Um, so I really liked that. Don Bosco was really like instrumental in his life in that way of like, yes, very tangibly how the ways he encouraged him. Yes, that that was one of the main pillars of what his preaching was, was devotion to Mary and the like receiving the sacraments. That yeah, because they things. didn't do it back then. Right. Yeah. And there's even like I went on a mission trip to Peru and even still like it's just not a lot of people don't receive the Eucharist. Yeah, they'll go to Mass, but they don't receive. Because yeah. it's just that feeling of, like, we're unworthy. Yeah. But you that's why you need it. Oh, anyway. It's like the the table's right there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So there's still, I don't know if it's like a Latin culture, like Maybe. the Latin yeah. romance language culture thing. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just making big generalizations now. <laughs> Sweeping generalizations. Yeah. So I know we both like when they're alive and the miracles are happening. So yeah. he has, like, some miracles associated with him when oh, he was cool. little. Huh? So there was one instance where... Um, after serving at mass, Don Bosco walked into the sacristy and he was talking to someone Yeah, and he was saying like, yes, yes, I'll always be your son. I'll always love you. And he was like, who are you talking to? And he was like, what? I'm not talking to anyone. But it was clearly like talking to Jesus, like oh, based off what he was saying. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, that's so cool. like he was kind of like having a vision. Yeah. And then there's one account where he ru- rushed into John Bosco's, um, room mm-hmm. and was just saying you got to come with me you got to come with me and he wouldn't say what was wrong so he followed him out yeah. and um dominic led him right to the house of um a man they didn't well they didn't know they knocked on the door mm-hmm. and the man inside was dying okay. and his wife 
when they when they walked in just said, thank God you're here. My husband is close to death and he's left the church, but now that he's dying, he wants to die a Catholic. So um, Dominic had brought him there. And John without Bosco, knowing what yeah, was going without on, knowing what was just going knew on, that, that they had to go there. Yeah. <gasps> so that someone needed a priest. So John Bosco is able wow. to do like hear his confession yeah. and give the last rites and stuff. Incredible. Um, and this is similar, but one where I was like, Dominic Savio is on my team from now on. And I'll tell you what. <laughs> Recruiting him. So same thing. One day he went to John Bosco and said, I have to go home. My mother's sick. Yeah. And he was like, oh, you know, he was like, did you get a letter or something? Like, what's wrong? And he was like, no, I just have to go. Okay. And John Bosco said, when Dominic told me something, I did it. Yeah. So at that he point, like knew. yeah, he got him like paid for him to take a, I don't know, like a carriage home really quick. Mm-hmm. And um, it said that. So he got, he, uh, he rushed home and actually ran into his dad in the streets looking for the doctor. Oh, interesting. And his dad was like, what are you doing here? And he said, yeah. mom's sick. And his dad didn't even say anything. He was like, yeah, go to your grandma's house. Oh, so he rushed in that. and rushed into the house. And his mom was close to death, but in labor. Oh, So wow. she was struggling with childbirth. Oh. And that all the women in the house, the midwives were like, you can't go in there. She's, you know, right. not, you can't see that. But he rushed in. He knew. Yeah. And his mom was just like, what are, what are you doing? And he just said, like, I knew that you needed, I that you were sick. Oh. And she, you know, she said that she was just like, hey, I'm okay. Don't worry. And yeah. kind of just like. Shook. Alleviating. Yeah. Alleviated him. But he hugged her and then um, just turned around and went back to school. That's it. That's it. Yeah. But he knew in his spirit. She was. Yeah. So his mom eventually gives birth to, I think it was the eighth baby. Okay. okay. And um, she's fine. Like she comes through the labor fine. The baby's fine. But the midwives are like, hey, you weren't wearing that green scapular earlier. And then he's like, she's like, I guess Dominic put it on me. And he had, when he hugged her, he flipped a green scapular (laughs) over her neck. Oh, that's so sweet. Um, and Don, John Bosco, when he got back, was like, what's wrong? Is your mom okay? And this is when he like, you know, because he just gave it to her and turned around and yeah. left and went back to school. It's like, I did what I needed to yeah. do. Yeah. So he yeah. really didn't know, like no one had told him yet, but he yeah. was like, yeah, my mother's all right. It gave her a scapular of our blessed mother. And he just knew that he that was knew. what she needed. It yeah. was like he was fulfilling a mission. I yes. wonder if the blessed mother like sent him there. I bet she did. Oh, that's so, so cool. that same scapular, his sister was also in, struggling in childbirth late in later years. Okay. And um, was not like they weren't sure she was going to make it. And she wore the same scapular <gasps> and she came out fine. Oh. And then they would pass it around to women who were in labor. Oh, and um, his sister said that um, it it saved like countless women. That's incredible. Oh, and Dominic, um, kind of before then, he. And shout out to big families just for that. Like, yeah. That's a beautiful piece of that. So, um when he was home, which I'll get to, um, he was sent home when he got his last illness. Yeah. He told his mom, do you remember that time I came to see you when you were in labor? I left a scapular of Our Lady around your neck. It was our Mary, Mother Mary who eased your labor. Take good care of the scapular and lend it to other women in the same condition. The Blessed Mother will take care of them also. So that's why, like, they knew to give it to a sister and pass it around. Um, that's cool because it, often it says that Mary's like, unties the knot of Eve who because of Eve we have like childbirth like labor pains and all of that and so she eased that yeah so um his sister said that like they passed it around to so many people and so many people wore it that eventually they lost track of it so (sighs) I was like dang we need that scapular (laughs) okay so this is why he's on my team though because I labored for 42 hours and that's a long time laboring and so 
if and when I'm in labor again, Dominic Savio, I'm going to be praying so hard to him to the Macklehart Mary, and I will be wearing a green scapular. Because 42 hours. To ease the labor. The 42, I'm trying that not to happen. Ha- I'm trying not to have a reaction to 42 hours, but go for that's, it. It wow. was. I mean, Luis was there the whole time. God bless him. He was such hey, when a you, good. When you went through labor, did you have like a birth plan and were you like, I'm going to get through this naturally no meds like that kind of yeah that was my plan naturally no meds and i made it like the i don't know the first 30 hours but the first I, 30 hours andrea i had one contraction and i was like can i have my epidural <laughs> so the only reason i decided to get the epidurals because i was falling asleep standing up because mm. i'd been awake for 30 hours oh my goodness and i was afraid that i wouldn't have strength to push if i even made it that far you're so a I was warrior. like, I, I, I was like, I need to sleep because I don't think I'll be able to push him out. Cause yeah, it was like, Luis caught me cause I fell oh over goodness. cause I was so tired. Wow. He'll, and he'll still say stuff where I can tell he's still traumatized. <laughs> like I can tell like it lives in his head a little bit, like where he'll mention stuff. <laughs> just comes out. And yeah. It'll pieces. just come out every once in a while. Anyway. Wow. That's... We need that green scapular. You do. I need it. Cause I'm not doing that again. <laughs> Your first story is a hours. lot different than mine. I was like just jamming out to music and <laughs> Well, there was some jamming at the beginning. Like the first 12 like hours. The first 12 hours. I was rocking it. Andrea, you were tough. The first like, 24 I, hours. That's was, amazing. Anyway, but that when I read this, I was like, we are a team now. Yes. You're on, on my your team. Side. Yeah. This is, I will wear a green scapula. So that's why. Okay, that was my little tangent. <laughs> so like I said, he'd been at the oratory for about three years. So about when he was around 14, going on 15, um, he got a bad respiratory infection. So oh, he'd no. been sickly his whole life. Okay. And um, young ch- child deaths were normal at this time, and yeah. they didn't know a lot about respiratory infections, but he just got a really bad cough. Yeah. And he just started getting weaker and weaker, and they would send a lot of doctors to see him. And they would give him, like, put him on bed rest so he would go to school and partake in, you know, the spiritual life when he could. Um, but eventually they just couldn't, he just wasn't getting better. And so finally the doctor said, I think he needs to be, like, on permanent bed rest until he gets better. Okay. So, like, probably send him home. Like, he can't, like, do what he's been doing where he gets a little bit better and then goes right back and kind of exhausts himself. Yeah. So this is, I kind of found this a little spooky, honestly. But I obviously was very holy. So when they decided that he needed to go home, he didn't want to. He kept asking John Bosco, like, let me stay here. Yeah. And he was really adamant that he didn't want to go. And so John Bosco said, why are you so sorry to go home? You should be glad to be with your parents again. And Dominic said, I want to end my days at the oratory. Mm. And um, John Bosco said, you're going to go home for a while. And when you're better, you're going to come back. And he said, no, John Bosco, I'll go, but I'll never come back. Oh, he knew. Yeah. And it said the night before he left, he wouldn't leave John Bosco's side and that he kept asking him a lot of questions. And he said, what can a sick boy do to get to gain merit before God? And he said, offer your sufferings to God. And then he Dominic said, will I be able to see my parents and friends from heaven? And John Bosco said, yes, you'll be able to see everything at the oratory and your parents. You'll know everything that concerns them. And so many wonderful things besides, but this is not to concern you now. You're going home to get well. So on the morning that he left the oratory, he made an exercise for happy death with, with his companions, which was like a devotion of John Bosco, actually. Okay. Just to like pray for a good death. Yeah, kind of the St. Joseph. Yeah. Style. And he went to confession and received communion. 
And he, um, you know, was packing and saying goodbye to his friends. And I thought this was funny. Um, he found a friend that he owed two cents to. <laughs> and he said, let's get this fixed so I won't have to worry about it when I present my accounts to God. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. That's- and then before leaving, to, he told John Bosco, since you don't want this poor body of mine, I'll have to take it back to Mon- Mondanio. But it would have burdened you only for a few days, and all would have soon been over. But God's will be done. Pray for me that I die well. Goodbye till we meet in heaven. Mm. So I think the kind of spooky thing is that he knew. Yeah. Just he had that that knowledge granted to him. So he was home for only four days, and yeah. the doctors, he was in such good spirits that the doctors were like, he's fine. He's going to be fine. He's getting better. <laughs> Um, but he kept like a supernatural piece. Yeah. Just like the supernatural peace and good spirit. Um, but he knew, so he kept like, um, you know, like he asked that a priest would come and hear his last confession and give him the anointing, give his last communion. And everyone kept saying, okay, like they can come, but the doctor said you're fine. Right. Kind of talking him out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So all those things happened and then eventually he'd been asleep for a while, but he opened his eyes and looked at his parents and said, Papa, it's time. Take my prayer book and read for me the prayers for a happy death. And said that he went back to sleep and that he was smiling while he slept. And that all of a sudden he woke up like a few minutes after that. And said um, very clearly, goodbye, Papa. Goodbye, Mama. Oh, what a beautiful sight I see. And that he went back to sleep smiling. And then right after that, he passed away. Wow. That's so like awe-inspiring of just that he died with a smile and just like. Very happy about what he just saw. like slipped away yeah um so he was just 14 at that time and shortly after his death he appeared to his father in a dream and his father said oh my dear boy how wonderful you look i don't know what to say are you in heaven and he said yes papa i am in heaven and he said will you pray for us for mother and me and he said yes i'll pray for you and the, oh. the dream ended i mean that's the idea of the happy death right is yeah. that we're looking forward to this reunion with yeah. god this communion that's that's the definition right there right also on my team for when i'm gonna die <laughs> i'm gonna be asking for his intercession all the major milestones yeah he'll be there um <laughs> so 19 years after his death he actually appeared to john bosco in a dream he did yeah Aww. he it says he came to encourage and advise him about the future of his work for the youth cool um and then john bosco asked his asked him um what gave you the most comfort at the hour of your death yeah and he said, what comforted me most at the point of death was the assistance of the powerful and loving mother of God. Oh, yes. I was really hoping he was going to say mother Yeah. Yes. <laughs> also on my team. <laughs> Don Bosco wrote all this down and yeah. his bio- biography was spread around. And oh, so there was cool. like great devotion to him pretty quickly too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in 1950, he was beatified by Pope Pius XII. And what's cool is that was on the second Sunday of Lent, which was also this the Sunday that he heard that sermon from John Bosco of what it means to be a saint. Oh, that's sweet. Um, probably no coincidence, I'm sure. No, probably not. And then he was canonized in 1954 as saint and he's the patron saint of choir boys, the falsely accused, and also juvenile delinquents. Oh, cool. Yeah. I like that. So he died at 14, right? Yeah, he was 14. So young and so, so young, wise. So holy. So yeah, he sounds like he had like that uh, charismatic gift, like the gift of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And he just knew something and knew like what He to did do. because I also, and there was so many other little vignettes. Like mm-hmm. I felt like I went forever, but I had to like pare it down. Yeah. Because um, John Bosco was right there with him all those years so he could record so much but it's also there were also a lot of instances where he would just tell people like i'm gonna die really young 
Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, okay. <laughs> That's an interesting yeah. conversation. Story. Yeah, like where he'd be yeah. like, um, I think his friends would jokingly say, whichever one of us dies first, when you get to heaven, you better like yeah. pray for me. And he'd always be like, oh, it's going to be me. Like, I will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like he just had like he his supernatural knew. knowledge. Without any fear associated with yeah. it, which is cool. Like, so it's not like a, one of those premonitions where like something scary is going to happen. He just right. knew yeah. like, with peace. Yeah, exactly. Which I think is like the, the definition of like the gift of like knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, so I, when I was reading his life, like I said, I knew hardly anything. Just like the basic, those two little stories. Yeah. But I was like, so, I just felt so blessed. Like, do you know, like, I guess sometimes you get com- a little bit just like going through the motions. Like, I, I felt like that desire again to be like, oh, yeah, I want to be holy and I want to like be a saint. reignited that for you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I love that. Because I feel like that goes in like, at least for me, like sometimes flows. I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm doing the work. Right. I'm saying my prayers, going to church, yeah. like trying to live For it sure. out. But then there are times where I'm like, oh yeah, like this is to be a saint. Like I want right. to be a saint. This is the end goal. Yeah. That, right. that's the end goal. And I'm excited for it, you know? Right. To be with Christ in heaven. as a yeah. Saint. yeah. And to like love people in this way and to right. care for people in this way. So here like, on earth and in heaven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause our so. work doesn't like, as if you think about the saints, their work doesn't end when they die. No. So, like, they're, like, on overtime now. Like They are. Working for us. They want to be on our team. Yes. So, <laughs> I love that. I didn't know anything about him. but I really didn't either. precious. Like, I want, I definitely want to ask for his intercession. I want to talk to his mom. <laughs> right? And Mama Margarita. Oh, oh. No, both Dominic of their Sabi. moms. Yeah, that's right. And that's, like, there are things that um, even Mama Margarita would tell John Bosco, like, that Dominic kid is, oh, like, a special so- one. Like, even she would... She noticed things about she him. Saw his light. Yeah. yeah. So I want to talk to their moms <laughs> and be like, "How do? What did you do? Yeah. Tell me what's Help the playbook. Me. Guide yeah. me. Yeah. Especially because I mean, we both have we all have boys, right? So what is the secret? I know. To I raising often, these boys, saintly boys. Yeah, who are like twelve be, and nine, seven and be saintly moms. <laughs> dang it! Dang it! You're right. Say, Monica. Pray for us. <laughs> I think her feast day is this week. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of good feast days coming yeah. up. All right. Well, that was great. I'm really I love this one. Yeah. I, I really think this like is helpful these. for everybody, yeah. even if you're not going back to school or you're yeah. not a teacher or student. There are great saints to call upon for your holiness. Definitely. Yeah. Daily life. Yeah. Should we go to Blessing Blessings and, and Burden? burden? Yeah. Do you want to go first? I'll go first. Okay. Um. So my bless. I don't know if this is actually a blessing, but maybe it's like my, you know, like you could say like high and low or like yeah. rose and thorns. Sure. It's that I'm finally kicked, working on kicking my sugar addiction. Ooh, so it's myself. <laughs> your blessing um, is yourself, your willpower. Yeah, I've just been so like, I mean, I like to bake. Yeah. So I'm not against eating sugar in moderation. Right. But ever since I got pregnant, I had bad sugar cravings. Gotcha. And I was pregnant, so I just like indulged. Right. Like dinner would be cake with a side of gummy bears. <laughs> like I just indulged. But because of that, I was full-blown addicted to sugar. Right. Like, to the point where, like, I had, like, my skin would be itching if I didn't have, like, a dessert. Okay, wow. I didn't know that was a thing. It was so bad. Like, I say skin itching, but more just, like, the... You were craving it. Like, like, mental. Mental skin itching. We're like, I'm going to jump out of my skin if I don't drink a Dr. Pepper right now. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. Um, Which, weirdly, Dr. Pepper helped with my morning sickness when I was pregnant, too. Hmm. The only thing, if I just drank like a couple of sips, I like wasn't nauseous anymore. 
So I also got addicted to Dr. Pepper. Nobody knows what's in that thing. It's just like a secret recipe. Whatever it is, it cures morning sickness. <laughs> so these are things I never used to eat, but then got addicted to them in pregnancy and mm. couldn't kick it. Yeah. Like I used to go to Sonic. I mean, last week I went to Sonic like every day and got a vanilla Dr. Pepper. Those were good. They're so good. Yeah. But like every day in like a large or like a Route 44, right. I don't need that in my life. <laughs> but So um, you kicked that? Yeah. I just like slowly like weaned myself off of going every day to Sonic to like once a week. And yesterday That's I was awesome. at the grocery store and there were gummy bears right by the checkout and I did not grab them. Good for you. So I'm on like we're recording this on a Thursday and I haven't had, I mean- I'm not doing like a full-blown sugar fast. Like there was like, you know, a tiny, like some grams in our pasta sauce. Like, you know, like. Oh, sure. Yeah. That kind of stuff. And like I needed some electrolytes. I had a Gatorade yesterday. But it was like. But you're talking like dessert. Yeah. Like. Indulgent. Indulgent. You know, it's like normal. I feel like I'm like a normal person again. (laughs) And I'm so happy because I wanted to kick it for a while. Well, and then it, that goes from like it being more of just like something for pleasure to something like you have to have where it oh, has I control over it. you. Yes. And so that's awesome yes. that you were able to like so, transition out of that. Yes. I'm so happy because I wanted to for a while. Yeah. Because I didn't like that I was drinking like a Dr. Pepper a day. Right. Right. I didn't like that, didn't but I couldn't right. stop. Yeah. yeah. So. Good for you. I'm very Good happy. Yeah. Very proud. My burden is Bruce. Yeah, oh, Bruce. Our puppy. I love Bruce. He chewed a hole in our couch. He did. I saw it. And I, you know, we thought he was potty trained because he's a rescue from the shelter and he's two. So to us, it seemed like he had lived with someone else. And I still think so because he's really comfy in the car. Yeah. Like, I don't think he was a full blown stray. Right. He was domesticated. I think so. But he's having trouble with his potty breaks. Yeah. And I thought he was potty trained. But after some more observation, because we've had him. Maybe not for two months. Yeah. Is it two or three months? I don't know. Now that we've had him, I feel like he might not be potty trained all the way. So we've had some might struggles. Have to put in some work there. Yeah, and also it was raining, so we yeah. were. He didn't want to go out as much, and we we're right. out of that our messes routine. with stuff too. And if they're stressed out, too. yeah. So um, he is my sorry. burden lately, <laughs> and I maybe not of, him, but like his actions. Uh, no, he, he himself. Is. He himself as creation. I mean, he's, I guess he's cute and everything, but. I'm like trying to talk you out of saying a dog Luis is born. said he was going to take him back to the shelter, I don't. No, uh, no. I think I would be a little sad, but I don't know if I would stop him. You wouldn't fight it? I don't think I would fight it. I would fight it. I'm okay. Already, I'm already too attached to Bruce. I mean, <laughs> I think just like the couch chewing was. That, I know. That's that was a rough. big one. Because it was expensive. I know. It's hard to, I don't know. So he's my burden. I don't think we're going to get rid of him. I think Luis hasn't done it yet. I don't think he will. Yeah. I think he's but safe. But I think he's safe, but I'm just a little it's your annoyed first, at him. It's your first time of having your dog chew up like something major. Something major. He hadn't chewed anything major before. Right. He chewed lots of little things, but the yeah. couch has been really hard. Yeah. We've been really, we've been having a hard week with him. I'm sorry. Yeah. So pr- pl- please, St. Francis and everyone listening, <laughs> pray for Bruce. Also, if anyone's like a dog behaviorist. Yeah. Help. Dog whisperer. Yeah. <laughs> help. Does Caesar Milan listen to us? So Bruce, Bruce's behavioral issues. Maybe okay. not Bruce, but he's my, the behavioral issues are my <laughs> right, burden. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. gotcha. 
I'm going to be praying for that. Please. Okay. I need it. Please. All right. I'm going to start with my burden so we end on a blessing. Good. Good idea. My burden is being height challenged. Mm. Okay. Being short. I don't know if that's really like the most polite way to say it, but truly it gets in the way sometimes because today I was at the grocery store and I wanted to get your biscotti, but it was on that top shelf. Mm. And normally I can reach stuff on the top shelf if it's like right at the edge of the top Mm -hmm. shelf, but it was like pushed back. And so as someone who's not tall, I like, I don't, I, my options are either to climb the shelves, which it looks really awkward. Yeah. Um, or to wait for someone tall to come by and be like, yeah. um, excuse me, which is what I had to do. And the gentleman was very sweet and was like, do you want two? Cause you're probably not going to be able to reach the other one when you want it later. <laughs> and I was like, no, it's okay. Just one. But just, you know, yeah. not being of a certain height mm-hmm. has its disadvantages. How tall are you? I'm five, two and three quarters. Are you? <laughs> Why did, why did you say it so questioningly? Because I feel like we're not that different in height. I've never noticed. How tall are you? I would have said we were like the same height. I'm five five and a half. <laughs> See, those three inches make a difference. Yeah, yeah. I thought we were the same height. That's so well, that's funny. Sweet. I'm not observant at all. <laughs> um, yeah, just sometimes it gets in the way. I have a lot of little step ladders at my house that just to be able to like reach other shelves and things. But how tall is Royce? He's five six, I so we're say, not tall people. Luis is like five nine ish too. So yeah. we, we need step stools too. We all need them. <laughs> like none of us are tall yeah. in our family. So <laughs> there's lots of. So yeah, that's my burden. Not that big a deal. Still happy to be led. Yeah. Um, my blessing is actually my uncle who was a priest. He passed away several years ago. But his name was Father Bosco. Oh, yes, and he took the name from Don Bosco. Really? And yes, I love and that. He um, was just such a beautiful priest. He had an interest in psychology, and so he had a background in that. So he did counseling for mm-hmm. people, and just very pastoral. And he just had such a mild and gentle nature that it really rem- is very reminiscent to me of Saint John Bosco, and so. I didn't know about St. John Bosco's life at the time when Father Bosco was alive. Um, but Father Bosco was just such a living representation of that. Now that I know who mm-hmm. he is, I'm like, oh, I could see that so clearly in his life. And he touched so many people with his gentleness. Yeah. And so I love him. And I pray that he's in heaven praying for us. I'm uh, sure he is. <laughs> um, so he is my blessing and just uh, very much someone from early on that I saw as a priest that was just like, embody Jesus and in, in that gentleness and, and I feel like different priests embody different aspects mm-hmm. of Jesus in different ways and so he just was just that gentle loving fatherly shepherd and so he's my blessing yeah <laughs> so just father Bosco just father Bosco is my blessing pray for us father Bosco <laughs> yes. and Saint John Bosco and Saint John Bosco and Saint Dominic Savio and Dominic Savio bye <laughs> all right it's a wrap that's a wrap that was awkward <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Snacking with the Saints. Snacking with the Saints is a member of the Spoke Street Catholic Podcast Network. If you enjoyed today's episode, please remember to give us a five-star rating or leave us a review. You can also subscribe to be alerted of when we drop our newest episodes. You can find us on Instagram at snacking.saints.pod. Come on over, tell us your blessing and burden for the week. Maybe we'll share it on air. And please remember to keep us in your prayers. We're definitely praying for all of you.